Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up, U.S. Senate candidate Matt Dolan will spend much of the day today in Findlay. Joins us with a preview of those planned events and his campaign to flip the only major office in the state not already held by Republicans. Also this morning, the Hancock County Be Healthy Now Coalition is hosting a community health fair and food distribution event this coming weekend on the University of Findlay campus. We'll get details. And highlighting the power of produce as the Hancock County Farmers Market continues through the October harvest second season. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, September 11th, 2023. I saw this report over the weekend, and I I don't remember where I read this. It might have been a Fox News report, but I'm not 100% sure. But it uh, made the point, and this was just, um, it hit me when I read this. 22%, a little over 22% of the U.S. population is under the age of 18, which means that roughly... And the median age of the U.S. population is 38. So that means that roughly one in four people in America today were not born yet when 9-11 happened. One in four. Um, And by extension, you can uh, extrapolate on out that roughly one-third of Americans today's Americans, have no meaningful recollection of 9-11. Maybe they were born, but, you know, just very young um, or, or what have you. Because, again, the median age of the U.S. population is 38. So roughly half of the population, or exactly half of the U.S. population, was 16 years or younger on 9-11. Uh, and obviously, those who were in their teen years, especially the middle teens, you know, would understand. But you know, you're approaching the time when half of the population uh, will have had, and we're already at the point where roughly one third uh, of Americans or thereabouts have no meaningful recollection of 9/11. So the point being that as we observe this 22nd anniversary of 9-11, um, it's a day to maybe share those stories with younger folks who weren't around. And a significant number of Americans were not even born yet or very, very young when all of that happened on that terrible, terrible day. Um, and so... I don't know. That just that that statistic really uh, hit me when I saw a report over the weekend. In any event, uh, very good morning to you. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day that have nothing to do with 9-11, but uh, kind of interesting uh, story here. Walmart has unveiled plans to install electric vehicle charging stations at thousands of its locations, including Walmart and Sam's Club stores across the United States by the year 2030. Did you hear about this? They're going to install charging stations. Um, Now, publicly, according to the public statement uh, from Walmart, 
the move aims to make EV ownership more accessible and convenient for consumers. The company highlighting its extensive network of stores within a 10-mile radius. And this was interesting. Uh, there is a Walmart within a 10-mile radius of approximately 90% of Americans. So if they ultimately put EV charging stations in every uh, Walmart, then that would significantly expand the uh, charging network uh, in this country. Um, Currently, Walmart operates nearly 1,300 fast charging stations at 280 locations. This initiative not only benefits EV drivers, but also contributes to reducing air pollution, lowering transportation costs. Walmart says sees this as a step forward in helping customers lead more sustainable lives. Well, that's the public uh, position. But here's the thing. The reason I look at this and I said the reason they're doing that uh, is because it takes, what, 20 minutes to charge a vehicle on those fast charging uh, stations. Uh, what are people going to do during those 20 minutes? What are, what is what do you think Walmart is hoping people do during those 20 minutes? You know, hope they go in and shop at Walmart. That's <laughs> that's why they're doing it. Uh, they get uh, people in and they can sell them stuff. Think about it in that terms. It's a brilliant move. Anyway. So throw on some Taylor Swift while you're enjoying your morning cup of coffee. This is an interesting report. Everyday pleasures, it says here, everyday pleasures like listening to music and sipping a cup of coffee can elevate brain activity, enhancing tasks that demand concentration and memory. This according to a new study. Utilizing a state-of-the-art brain monitoring tool called MindWatch, <laughs> which sounds a bit ominous if you think about it mind watch the uh new york university tendon school of engineering uh studied uh put out this uh, study with a deeper insight into the brain's response to various stimuli that we encounter daily mind watch it says is an algorithm that tracks brain uh, a person's brain activity Data is then collected from wearable devices capable of monitoring electrodermal activity or a measure of electrical changes in the skin caused by emotional stress, often associated with sweat responses. So that's how they analyze this. And they say that uh, everyday pleasures, like listening to music, sipping a cup of coffee, can elevate your brain activity, make you more prepared for the day. So go ahead and have that morning cup of coffee, turn on some tunes, and you're all set. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. By the way, speaking of uh, of music, this is uh, really interesting. Uh, new study out of Yale University finds that music is universal. How many times have we heard that? Music is the universal language. And it's true, except for love songs. With the exception of romantic tunes, themes in music are recognized across borders and language barriers and all of that. doesn't matter if you speak the language, know the culture. Researchers asked 5,000 participants from 49 different countries to listen to snippets of various songs. And participants were easily able to identify dance music, uh, lullabies, uh, healing music, 
things like that. But they were not able to discern love songs as well. Love songs, they say, may be a particularly fuzzy category that includes songs that both express happiness and attraction, but also sadness or even jealousy. And the context of those songs is very difficult to decipher if you are unfamiliar with the language or culture. So we have no problem identifying other types of songs, but love songs we have uh, difficulty deciphering, which I guess makes sense when you think about it. So bottom line, uh, music is universal except for love songs. Now you know. Uh, A couple of other items here. Among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Did you watch the U.S. Open tennis tournament? Well, I guess you didn't if you have Spectrum Cable and you were locked out of ESPN. But for the rest of us, if you watch the U.S. Open tennis tournament uh, over the uh, weekend, the finals, uh, I thought this was kind of interesting. Tennis apparently has a fuzzy yellow problem that most people don't think about uh, when they are watching you know, tennis tournaments. Or even if you are playing tennis, you probably never gave this a, a second thought. Um, but... Uh, Tennis balls are extremely hard to recycle, and the industry has yet to develop a ball to make recycling easier. So nearly all of the 330 million balls, the 330 million tennis balls that are manufactured worldwide each year, all of them eventually get chucked into the garbage, with most ending up in landfills because they're almost impossible to recycle. I wouldn't have never thought about that. Um, and tennis balls can take up to 400 years to decompose. It is a situation highlighted by the uh, by the Grand Slam events like the U.S. Open, which it says will go through nearly 100,000 tennis balls um, through the course of the tournament. Nearly 100,000 tennis balls. Wow. Just at the U.S. Open. And uh, three, what is that? 330 million tennis balls manufactured worldwide every year. And hardly any of them get recycled. Well, that's interesting. And uh, finally, in the broken news, uh, or not in the broken news this morning, finally, among the first things you need to know this morning, there always has to be something to be worried about. Uh, something that we you know, have to be concerned over. Something that could mean the end of civilization as we know it. There's always some story to incite fear in the news. And today, this is it. Are you ready? Overuse of laxatives by Americans is making hard, making it harder to find them at the store. <laughs> That's right. We have a laxative shortage. <laughs> First reported by the Wall Street Journal. Uh, they say a variety of factors are at play. Along with an aging population and Americans' tendency to eat less fiber, poor eating habits developed during the pandemic, and an uptick in travel and hybrid work schedules, making it harder for Americans to go number two. This increased demand for laxatives has made products like Miralax and other similar products to fly off store shelves, and fiber supplements are seeing double-digit growth. It's crazy to think that our collective bowel dysfunction problems have gotten so bad that we are literally running out of stool softeners, according to Dr. George Pavlou 
of Gastroenterology Associates of New Jersey, uh, quote in the uh, journal's report. <laughs> so <laughs> there's the there's what we're worried about today. This is what we're fearful of. This is the uh, societal disaster story of the day. We are running out of laxatives. <laughs> a laxative shortage in the U.S. <laughs> But I want to make sure that you know this because, you know, it's very important stuff. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories <laughs> to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly sunny today with a high in the upper 70s. Partly cloudy tonight, a low around 60. Governor DeWine has ordered that all U.S. and Ohio flags be flown at half-staff upon all public buildings and grounds throughout the state today on Patriot Day in honor of those killed in the terrorist attacks on September 11, 2001. The order will be in effect from sunrise to sunset. The governor is also asking all Ohioans to observe a moment of silence. A busy Finley Road will be closing for a water line installation project. West Main Cross between South Corey Street and Southwest Street in downtown Finley will close today for approximately five days. The water line that's being installed is for the new Hancock County Judicial Center building that's going up at 209 West Main Cross between Corey Street and the post office. Detours will be posted. Get more on our website. An Ohio U.S. Senator is taking action after a school bus crash near Springfield last month killed an 11-year-old boy. Ohio Democratic Senator Sherrod Brown is introducing federal legislation to make school buses safer. The School Bus Safety Act would require all school buses to have seat belts as well as an automatic emergency braking system and electronic stability control. Ohio is one of more than 40 states that do not require seat belts on school buses. I'm Andrew Kinsey. Flag City Honor Flight this week will hold its third of four flights this year. President and Flight Director Steve Schultz says four flights is the most they've ever done in one season. The main reason is we have 550 applications of veterans who are waiting to go on a flight to Washington, D.C. to see their memorials. Veterans on the flights pay absolutely nothing to take the trips, and they're accompanied by guardians who are asked to make a donation to help with expenses. Learn more about Flag City Honor Flight in this story on our website. Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow has a new contract. A five-year deal worth $275 million. That's the biggest deal in NFL history. And it means Burrow is now going to be a Cincinnati Bengal until at least the 2029 season. The former Ohio State quarterback has rejuvenated the Bengals franchise, taking the team to back-to-back AFC championships and a Super Bowl in 2022. I'm Dave Holmes. Don't forget, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So now our cover story this morning, U.S. Senate candidate Matt Dolan will be spending much of his day today in Findlay, this afternoon uh, anyway. He is with us on the line this morning. A preview of those uh, planned events and his campaign to flip Ohio's other Senate seat. Mr. Dolan, thanks very much for taking the time once again. We appreciate it. Well, thanks, Chris, very much. I'm happy to be on the radio and looking forward to being in Findlay. Uh, later today. So, uh, talk first of all a little bit about the events that will bring you to our fair city today. Uh, give us a preview of uh, what uh, what will be happening for you this afternoon. Well, I I, I look forward to doing that, but I, I think uh, unfortunately today is the day that we need uh, a remembrance. I mean, we, it is September 11th, and it's one of those days that if you were uh, alive. 
September 11, 2001, you remember exactly where you were and you remember the tragedy of the day mm-hmm. uh, and the vulnerability of the day. Uh, and so today's the day we should remember because we cannot forget. And I know that's... We need to remember that... No, I was going to say, I know that's uh, one of the uh, the things that you'll be talking about uh, today. We mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, folks who were with us on the program, that... Um, and this kind of speaks to what you're just talking about, making this a, a day of remembrance. Roughly one quarter, one in four Americans today had not been born yet uh, when 9-11 happened, which is uh, kind of, you know, that jumps out at you when you when you hear that statistic. What is the key to making sure that this doesn't just become a footnote in American history? Yeah, that's a great question. So in my mind, there's two, is that no one likes to feel vulnerable. And on that day, America and Americans felt vulnerable. Uh, and that that is something I think that we didn't, most of us have never felt before. And we should, we used it as a, as a way to say, come together, never again, we're going to be strong. And for a while, we were unified on that. And so I remind you know people that America needs to be ever vigilant and then diligent. And I, when I do, what I also say is, every time you listen to Star Spangled Banner, none of us were alive when Francis Ford Key wrote that sitting in the in the Baltimore Harbor. But that line, you know, with the bombs bursting in, in air, our flag was still there. So that's what we need to remember: our flag is still there. That flag represents unity. That flag represents security and strength and individual opportunity. And we can't let go of that because when we rally around that, when we rally around those themes, then I think young people who weren't able alive on that day and those of us who were, we remember why we're so proud to be Americans and, quite frankly, why we are being attacked because we represent everything that, that the evils stand against. So... It's a, it's a day that we need to remember, reflect, remember those heroes who ran towards the danger, remember lives lost, but it's also a reminder to recharge you know, our feelings of strength for America, our love for America, and make sure that we need to be ever, ever vigilant to make sure we protect all those rights and beliefs that we feel so strongly about. You talk about the uh, unity that we experienced uh, in the immediate aftermath of 9-11, and I think we all remember it well. Obviously, today, we are so far from that uh, sense of uh, of unity uh, in our leadership, in our politics, and your campaign has made some pretty big promises uh, in in your campaign for this uh, Senate seat. You talk about in the uh, advertisements that people have heard running on our airwaves and others. Uh, you talk about ending uh, fentanyl trafficking, uh, securing the border, and so on and so forth. How do you plan or how can you get all of that done, these big ideas, when Congress can't even get a deal to keep the government open? Yeah, well, it's uh, first thing I would point to is that I have a record of success both in the private and the public sector uh, of accomplishing big things, of making sure that Ohio's lives are better each and every day. Uh, and that's the same attitude I would take to Washington. One thing I know for sure it is not going to happen under Sherrod Brown. Sherrod Brown's been there in Washington, what, almost 40 years? 
and yet the same problems and our divisions getting wider and wider. So when you look at the border, you know, I've been to the border. I took law enforcement officers down there, not because we thought, is there a problem? We looked at how to solve the problem. You have to secure the border so you have American sovereignty, so we have, you know who's coming in, who's coming out. How do you do it? You do it by doing what actually was being done prior to, to President Biden. President Obama and President Trump were actually building walls. Most people don't know Obama built walls. Put on the technology that law enforcement needs down there to help uh, identify those who are coming across the wall. Give border security the piece of the power that they need. They don't have law enforcement authority down there. They're nothing more than escorts. Return remain in Mexico. But this is what we need to do. We need to understand that this is an attack on American sovereignty, that the drugs and the human trafficking coming across are, are in fact, weapons of mass destruction. They are killing Ohioans. They're killing Americans. I would be pushing the administration. I would be pushing the Senate to say we need to make sure Mexico knows that if they don't cooperate with us, this, the, 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 the temporary suspension of aid, uh, temporary suspension of trade, we will not work with you economically if you are going to remain loyal to the cartels. Because we have to beat the Mexican cartels. We need to beat them from our end, and we have to have Mexican uh, government beating them from their end. That's, that's the focus we have to, to get. And again, it's this unity and this pride of America that we feel today that you have, you have to tap into in Congress and say, we can't take steps forward until we identify our country and who's coming in and what evil they're bringing in. These are, these are things that you just focus on. Yeah. And Chris, one of the things I'm good at, one of the things I'm good at is getting things done. And if you look at my record in the, in the legislature, you look at my record in the private sector, you know, we set goals, we set a mission and we achieve it. On the topic of border security, that actually uh, uh, ties into uh, this. The uh, Freedom Caucus in particular has uh, threatened to hold up any vote on measures uh, to uh, extend the budget with a continuing res- resolution. As we mentioned, we've got a deadline looming of you know to, that could lead to a at least a partial government shutdown. And uh, some members of Congress who mentioned the Freedom Caucus most notably have threatened to hold up any of those votes uh, unless there is more funding for border, border security. Would you vote if you were in Congress right now facing this uh, dilemma? Would you vote for a continuing resolution on the budget? Well, first of all, if I were in Congress right now, I would hope that I would have helped put procedures in place that we would not be at this. All Fair nothing, enough. Uh, Armageddon type type. You know, I, I've been four times. I've been finance chairman in the Ohio legislature four times. I've produced balanced budgets four times. I've produced budgets that reduce taxes, reduce regulations, but also also uh, reduce the size of government, but did in strategic investments. So having the conversation well before uh, deadlines is how you, how you get things done. But having said that. I think border security is paramount. And if we are going to go through a budget cycle or whatever they call it in Washington, and there isn't money uh, or tools or whatever is needed in the border in that budget, yeah, I think that that is a reason to hold it up because that's how important our border security is. We must address it and identify our country's boundaries 
and we, we protect who's coming in and what's coming in. So, again, the hope is is that you spend your time and energy getting everyone to understand how important that is, and mm-hmm. that is a proper investment of government dollars. Uh, but if you know, the Democrats and Chair Brown are, are going to say we're not even going to invest in our border, we're going to leave it wide open, then you're left with no other choice. Uh, that's why we have to get the majority in the in the Senate as Republicans. That's why you got to get me there. That's why we get the White House back, so we can prioritize. Uh, what is important to our country and get it done. With respect to that, and we were mentioning a little bit earlier in the uh, introduction that uh, your uh, campaign uh, w- is to you know, flip the really the only major office, the only major seat uh, in the state of Ohio that's not already held by Republicans. All of the statewide uh, offices, uh, the the other Senate seat, and this would be the uh, the other big seat uh, in, in Ohio, the one that's not already held by Republicans. And I'm curious, do you feel any sort of pressure to, uh, to get that done? There have been a lot of uh, candidates uh, before you who have tried and uh, have been unsuccessful. You see, feel any pressure to to flip that as Ohio's only office not already held by Republicans? Uh, I, I don't know that I feel individual pressure. I feel a sense of urgency that we must get the Senate back in Republicans' hands uh, and actually execute on the ideas that we've been talking about for years. And Jared Brown's uh, re-election would block that. So I think if I stay laser-focused on what Sherrod Brown stands for, his vision for Ohio and America is not in sync with Ohio. And I am the one, unlike any other election he's faced, he's never faced somebody like me who has a record of achievement. I have a vision for Ohio and a vision for America, and my record reflects that. And I have a, a, a goal of what I want to accomplish in Washington. We, for years, have had Sher- gone against Sherrod Brown personally. You have, to, you have to remember, Sherrod Brown does very good constituent work. But what he doesn't do is talk about his votes. And his votes are way out of step with Ohio. And that would be my responsibility, to prosecute his record, to show his vision for Ohio and America is to take us left, to take us to a dependent government, to make us weaker uh, in the, on the international stage, and to make us vulnerable. And that's what we felt 22 years ago today, and that never should happen again. So I am comfortable that I am the one Republican in this race that can present a conservative record of achievement and also attract that independent vote. That independent vote who doesn't pay attention in the primaries mm-hmm. is going to look to me and say, here's a guy I can relate to, here's a guy that's gotten things done, uh, and here's why we need to send Dolan to the Senate. And obviously that uh, is a very important component of the primary race, as we know. Again, U.S. Senate candidate Matt Dolan with us this morning. He'll be uh, in Findlay later on this afternoon for a couple of events. And Mr. Dolan, thanks very much for taking the time. As always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Chris, and I look forward to meeting law enforcement and elected officials all throughout uh, Western Ohio and ending the day in the afternoon in the Ohio. So happening around town, the Hancock County Be Healthy Now Coalition is hosting a community health fair and food distribution event 
uh, this coming weekend, the University of Findlay campus. And uh, joining us this morning is uh, Zach Thomas. Um, with more information, I know we're looking ahead to this weekend. It's only Monday. We're already, but it's never too early to look forward to the weekend, I guess, uh, in that respect. So, Good morning. So, thanks very much for uh, for dropping by. So, uh, first of all, uh, as we mentioned, the Be Healthy Now Coalition uh, is, is a true coalition. A lot of entities are involved and have a hand in this uh, in this coalition. Yeah, the, the Be Healthy Now Coalition has been around for a number of years, mm-hmm. and um, really what they focus on is our community health assessment and our community health improvement plan. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways they wanted to showcase that was focusing on this this health fair coming up on Saturday. So talk a little bit about the impetus uh, for this. Again, uh, Be Healthy Now focuses on the uh, community health assessment overall. What in that specifically led to this? Yeah. So, you know, every three years we develop this, this health improvement plan and sometimes nobody really knows what it does or what it's supposed to do, but really it's a way to collaborate across the community with entities that are focusing on community health. And as a way to showcase that information or to bring awareness to the work that's happening, the Be Healthy Now Coalition uh, wanted to do this health fair, and it's actually sponsored by the Community Foundation, uh, which is a large supporter of the health improvement process. Mm -hmm. And there's three areas that we're really focusing on. Um, One is healthy behaviors, um, changing the way we do things to become a healthier person, um, access to care, and also making sure that we're always making a, an attention to mental health and addiction. And so yeah. those three areas are the main impetus of the of the community health improvement plan. So at this community health fair, what will be happening? I mean, I know we mentioned there's a uh, food distribution event. So, you know, yeah. there's that, you know, when we talk about health and healthy food, there's that direct uh, event uh, that correlates with that, but what else would be uh, happening? Sure. You know, like like traditional health fairs, there's going to be a number of resource tables there. So I think we have about 30 agencies that are going to be represented, which was what you would normally expect. But what we're really hoping to do is showing what those agencies are doing in relationship to the initiatives that are in the health improvement plan and how it all really ties together. So it's not just coming and learning about what this service is, but how does that service really create what we're trying to accomplish, which is the healthiest, healthiest county in Hancock, in Ohio, actually. Yeah. Um, and, and as you were alluding to, it's actually going to be my next question to talk a little bit about the how all of this is tied together. Because, again, we talk about the food distribution events, so we're talking about healthy eating, mental health, which is uh, obviously uh, your bailiwick uh, yeah. with respect to that. So, but all of this ties together. They're not they're individual pieces of the same puzzle. Yeah, and, and really what ties it all together, Chris, is the is the health improvement plan, but also the health assessment. So every three years, we we assess our community on everything from access to care, how, how often are they going to the doctor, how they feel about their health is, their income levels, their access to services. And from that report, we determine through a process uh, what are the most important areas we want to focus on? And that's where the collaborative, the Be Healthy Now Coalition agencies come together and really say, how can we address these issues together uh, with this health improvement plan that has a number of initiatives that are collectively focusing on that work? And as an example, I, when you are uh, mentally healthy, you are more likely to be 
physically healthy, physically active, eating well, and so on, and vice versa. When you're you know physically active and and eating well, uh, then mental health becomes easier to manage. That kind of thing. I would imagine in that respect, everything is tied together as well. Yeah, and that's a great way to put it because if we focus on just one column or one area, we sometimes mm-hmm. tend to forget that those other things are critical and they play into each other to make a person healthy. Yeah. So give us the details of this uh, community health fair. As we mentioned, it's this coming weekend. It's on the campus of the University of Finlay. Tell us uh, all about it here. Yeah. So it'll it'll start at 10 a.m. at the Kaler Center. Um, and starting at then at noon was when the food, food distribution will happen. But when people arrive, um, they'll be greeted and they'll, there'll be some giveaways. There'll be some door prizes. Everyone will get something to take away with them. And then they have an opportunity to visit with the agencies and learn more about what those agencies provide, but also how they're contributing to the overall health of the county. There'll be kids activities. Why on the fly will be there. Um, so there'll be opportunity for the entire family to be engaged. Yeah, that uh, again, we talk about the uh, coalition and uh, the the partner agencies, uh, Adamus and Hancock Public Health and uh, the OSU Extension, West Ohio Food Bank, the Y, uh, you know, it goes on and on. I mean, a lot, a lot of uh, really uh, important stakeholders in this. Yeah, there are. Together. There are. And, and we've actually seen additional people want to come out and help because they yeah. learned about how important this work is. How often is it that individuals that you are trying to reach uh, will make that first contact at an event? like this? That's a great question. Um, It depends on what's available at the resource fair. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes uh, there always, I should say, at every fair, there's always an opportunity. There's always someone that you connect with that you wouldn't have otherwise. Mm -hmm. So even if it's one person, we've made that connection. So it makes it worth it. Yeah. Because the idea and the goal, and the reason I bring that up, the goal obviously is to do this in uh, sort of a less intimidating way than maybe... uh, knocking on someone's door, asking them to call or stop in, that can be a a big lift for some people. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, part of the bigger picture what we're trying to do is really even think more about how do we bring this information to where the people are. Mm -hmm. Um, And and this is a first step in in doing that. Yeah. So, again, this is all happening on Saturday. And what are the hours? Uh, 10 a.m. is when it starts, and it goes until 2 p.m. And, again, this is all at the Kaler Center. That's correct. The University of Findlay. We've got a link up on our webpage for more information about it the community health fair and food distribution on saturday and again zach thomas with us uh, this morning uh with more details on this uh collaborative event of the uh, be healthy now coalition zach thanks very much for dropping by thank you so much chris information that makes a difference good mornings with chris oaks on 1330 wfin wfin.com and 95.5 fm we interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert We have a terrific collection of uh, broken news uh, this morning. The best stories, I think, actually come from the international file today. And we'll lead with this. A bicyclist in Belgium who knocked over a little girl and was found guilty of involuntary assault for doing so has now successfully sued the father of the child he injured because dad shared video footage of the incident online. (laughs) He was found guilty, and he sued the child's father because he shared footage, video footage online. The bicyclist, there are no names given here. It doesn't really matter. 
the uh, bicyclist argued that the posting of the video invaded his privacy and harmed his reputation. Again, he was found guilty of assaulting the girl in the video. Uh, the uh, bicyclist, by the way, this uh, incident occurred originally back in uh, Christmas Day of 2020. The bike bicyclist appeared to intentionally knock over the child while passing her on a snow-covered street. Uh, Patrick Mpasa, the father in this incident, recorded the incident. Uh, I happened to catch it on uh, video, posted it on social media, and it went viral. Initially, the bicyclist received a suspended sentence and uh, a uh, token compensation for involuntary assault. So a slap on the wrist. However, a year later, he sued dad for defamation, claiming damage to his reputation and privacy. The court has now ruled in favor of the bicyclist, potentially requiring dad now to pay him compensation, which the amount of which will be determined in an upcoming hearing. Um, the bicyclist has requested uh, roughly the, the equivalent of about $5,000 as compensation in his case, which is roughly the uh, equivalent to the value of his bicycle. He knocks over this guy's child and injures her, and he gets sued. Dad gets sued for posting the video. It's not just this country that's gone crazy, as it turns out. Uh, <laughs> this this is a great story out of the uh, out of the UK, where police were called, and we have these stories of mistaken uh, calls to police about dead bodies. You know, a lot of times it turns out to be a mannequin or maybe a an adult inflatable doll or something like that. A police in the UK were called to the scene of a Horrific crime when a passerby panicked after seeing bodies on the floor of a building and he uh, the passerby called in a report of a mass killing happened on Wednesday night. There's been a mass murder. There are bodies all over the floor. When officers stormed the building, they found a yoga class taking place. <laughs> Someone had reported having seen several people lying on the floor, which actually turned out to be the yoga class in meditation. According to the police report, they were just, they were just yogis meditating. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. The Seascape Cafe uh, wrote on Facebook, quote, Dear general public, please be mindful that the observatory has lots of yoga classes happening in the evenings, we are not part of any mad cult. <laughs> no one will be charged. Officers say that the call was made with good intentions, but uh, <laughs> that's embarrassing. Uh, that, that one's pretty good. That one's pretty good. Uh, also from the international file, the broken news, uh, Farouk Faith Ozer the founder of the cryptocurrency uh, cryptocurrency exchange Thodex has been sentenced to 11,196 years in a Turkish prison. prison. <laughs> 11,196 years in a Turkish prison. 
Johnny, have you ever been in a Turkish prison? Uh, 11,196 years behind bars for defrauding investors. The 29-year-old fled to Albania with about $2 billion in funds back in 2021, but Interpol located him and returned him to Turkey. And by the way, 11,196 years is actually a light sentence. Prosecutors had requested a 40,000-year sentence. 40,000 years! Uh, Mr. Ozer's sister and brother were also found guilty of similar charges. Uh, The story goes on to say, since abolishing the death penalty back in 2004, lengthy prison sentences have become more common in Turkey. Lengthy is one thing, but 11,000 years behind bars. And that's a light sentence. My goodness. Uh, Let's see. Here's another story uh, out of the international file. And actually, I kind of admire this woman in China. Huan Yi is her name. She has been accused of engaging in a huge wage uh, wage fraud scheme. But again, you got to actually admire her because... Uh, There are stories, and we've had these stories in the Broken News, people who get a job and they just never show up for work. And uh, sometimes they get away with this for months or even years at a time. But here's the thing, and this is what Ms. Yee decided, and I I think this is brilliant. If you're going to get a job and then never show up for work, why limit yourself to just one job? Uh, Apparently, Ms. Yee held 16 jobs over the course of three years and never showed up for any of them. She reportedly would pass jobs to friends and earn commissions out of this. In total, the labor fraud scheme was worth about $7 million. She'd go, she'd interview, she'd get the job, and then she'd have a friend show up and do the job. And she'd take a a cut (laughs) of the pay. Seems like a great idea. Uh, But the whole scheme fell apart in January when one CEO realized that one of his employees also worked for another company at the same time. 53 people in total have been arrested in connection with the case. But uh, actually, I kind of admire if you're going to get a job and not show up for work, why limit yourself? If you're not going to show up anyway, why limit yourself to just having one job where you don't show up? I mean, you can hold as many jobs as you like if you're never going to show up. Think about it. And uh, let's see, what else is uh, going on in the broken news here? Uh, this is, is one, one story domestically. We have one domestic story. This is from, uh, let's see here, uh, in Iowa, and I'm not sure exactly, you know, Coral Court, Iowa. Okay. 25-year-old Jefferson Stack faces charges of operating while intoxicated following an incident of alleged reckless driving, uh, including an attempt (laughs) to race an ambulance. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Ever seen, had someone someone do that, pull up uh, beside you at a stoplight or whatever, rev their engines, they want to race you? Apparently, this genius decided he was going to race an ambulance. Whole thing unfolded around 2 a.m. I believe this past weekend when uh, 
the uh, ambulance, uh, those inside the ambulance reportedly noticed Mr. Stack's erratic behavior, describing how he dangerously attempted to drag, drag, drag race their vehicle, even while it was responding to an emergency call. Uh, they uh, radioed police. A deputy encountered Mr. Stack after he exited the interstate, and uh, he has been placed under arrest. He uh, blew a .087, so he's above the legal limit, and he is now uh, safely housed in the county lockup. But I've heard of racing other vehicles, you know, when you're had a few too many, but racing an ambulance. That's a new one. Racing an ambulance on an emergency call. Man. There you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. When you're behind the wheel, it's okay to rock out to your music. But it's not okay to interact with your phone screen and electronic devices while driving. In most cases, anything more than a single touch or swipe is against the law. That means no texting, no typing, no scrolling, no shopping, no browsing. If an officer sees a violation, they can pull you over. So remember, Ohio, phones down. It's the law. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. Uh, A couple of really interesting results in this latest survey on intimacy in America. This is a poll of 2,000 adults in committed relationships. They find that 50% have unexplored desires that they would like to share with their partner. Hmm. But most surprisingly, the data from this survey, 49% of those in relationships admit to thinking of someone else while they are being intimate with their partner. Scott Greenert is with us uh, once again. The Hancock County Farmers Market. They are continuing uh, through the through late October, and uh, this is what they call the second season. Because we're getting into harvest now, and this is when things really get good, right, Scott? Oh, it, it, it's been awesome for a while, and it just keeps going. Is more yeah. why I'd say even. And, but a lot when we hit the back to school season, mm-hmm. we know people people's priorities schedules change. Sure, understandably, yeah. that's kind of our big thing with second season is folks getting that summertime mm-hmm. shopping groove don't forget you can yeah. still get out to the market yeah but, and and especially right now this time because you know we're getting into harvest and you get a lot yeah. of those fresh veggies and you know this actually uh speaks to a, a little bit to what we were talking about uh earlier with the um uh with the uh community health fair which will be there uh, yeah uh exactly you're going to be uh, among those uh that happening on on saturday uh we talk about uh, healthy eating and be healthy now and the power of produce program or initiative i'm not sure exactly uh, how the the terminology but i know this is something that you have partnered with the extension office to uh emphasize during the uh, farmers markets absolutely you bet and it's something actually our our main sponsor for this blanchard valley health system that mm-hmm. gave us the the financial backing to do this to get these kids out there and absolutely and our other partners too definitely so yeah it's a really cool program that we've had going on 
and where kids have been able to come into the market and get tokens to go ahead and spend on produce, just on produce. So, you know, the, they, if they want to get that cookie over there, they might need their cash they brought with them <laughs> or whatever, or say, hey, mom, dad, grandma, yeah. can you get yeah. us that? So, but the idea is to get those kids out there. And it's been wonderful because these the idea behind it, the main point behind it is to have the kids be empowered to choose their own food because mm-hmm. then it's their whatever they picked out, you know, yeah. their cherries they got, their peaches they got, you, mm-hmm. know, um, you know, whatever, you know, even carrots. It's so cool to see things that you hear people all the time say, oh, my kid would never eat right. at the market. They don't even make it to the parking lot <laughs> and the kids are munching on like a zucchini or something, yeah. you know, whatever the heck it might be, yeah. a cucumber. It's- well, how often is we have we heard from uh, experts that if you want your kids to try new things, involve them in the kitchen and oh, yes. you know that's a great way to get them to eat healthy and what better way of getting them involved but helping them actually pick out the veggies that they're going to use in those dishes. You bet. And, and so, the, so we, we've wrapped up the handing out the tokens part of it but for the kiddos out there that still have their tokens the parents have gone through they can still keep spending those and come on out and we're looking forward to doing it next season i i'm just i'm already excited to you know get the beginning of it going again even more because chris we had over four well over not just like 401 over 400 kids come out and participate that's awesome this season and get the tokens yeah that's awesome for Finley, for doing it the first time ever this year, mm-hmm. I'm just blown away in a wonderful way for yeah. that. Um, by the way, uh, speaking of uh, healthy food and and making your food dollar uh, go farther and all of that, I know, and we've talked about it before, uh, you can work with those who have uh, benefits. Uh, yes, the, indeed. Uh, the, Ohio, the Ohio Direction card, which are SNAP EBT benefits. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We've got it. When you come out to the welcome tent, the welcome tent's there for everybody. So if you just got a question about the market, uh, if you've heard like, hey, do you have this here or that? Come on out, just ask. And at that spot, people can go ahead and bring their card. We've got the card reader, and that's in partnership with um, the, uh, oh, geez, the uh, Habitat for Humanity <laughs> Financial Opportunity Center. Yeah. And they helped us get the internet connection out there. So we've got that outside. Yeah, terrific. And you know, again, as you mentioned earlier, OS, and then right next to them is the OSU Extension folks. Mm-hmm. So when we do things like coming up on October 12th, they do a wonderful job with introducing kids to good foods. So they'll have the great apple crunch going on. Okay. Uh, they had the cucumber crunch a couple months ago right. there. And there I was go. there on that day and got to crunch on some cucumbers. <laughs> Did not pass that up. So yeah, again, our partners, it's just wonderful what we've been able to do to have resources there at the market. Get those uh, fresh, healthy foods uh, into uh, people's diets. And boy, you're talking about uh, all of the uh, different produce that is available uh, right now at the market. I mean, just about anything that you could possibly imagine. It, like you said, we're, we're still we're still going strong with the middle of the summer stuff, and we're getting the beginning of the late of the year. The key thing I'd like to highlight is because you know, we can talk about the different things individually, but nine different local produce growers were there at the market last week. So mm-hmm. we, and, and we probably have nine again this week. You know, we, at some point, obviously few people will drop off, but also we hopefully get some more people into, but yeah, it's incredible. And I especially love the unique things like the varieties, not just one variety, but multiple varieties of heirloom tomatoes, the ones that are really good and flavorful. <laughs> my, my mouth is literally watering thinking about those heirloom tomatoes. <laughs> um, we've got a grower of peaches, you know, that's, uh, they're still bringing in some peaches here now. Um, 
all kinds of varieties of greens, like kale, chard, butter lettuce, that are so incredibly fresh. It's always disappointing when you go to the grocery store and you see like the ends are getting dried on stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. No issue with that here. Yeah. And I'm really glad to say we've got some folks bringing uh, apples uh, this gonna, year here. I was going to say, because, uh, yeah, this is apple season. So, yes. Yeah. We're bringing, they've got some different varieties and we'll continue to get new varieties because for folks who don't know, I mean, you've got everything from the usually the more, well, slightly more sour ones in the middle of the summer that start out a few bits there. But then as you hit this season, one variety after another, after another, all the way into the first, you know, hard frost start to hit. Yeah. Um, and then in addition to all of the healthy stuff, we do have, uh, you know, some, some treats we've got, oh, yes. uh, you know, we've got stuff for your, uh, great tooth. We've as got well. wonderful bakers. You're doing unique things. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the whoopie pies artisan, uh, the one especially cool thing, the artisan bread from the house of the kitchen and the quarry farm. Oh my goodness. They make incredibly great bread. I mean, the, the, with the, the perfect crust on the outside. Stuff. Yeah. Oh yes. If, if you've had it, you yeah. know, yep. absolutely. And by the way, not only treats for you, but treats for the dogs as well. Absolutely. Dog treats. Both, both the uh, ones are baked and freeze dried as well. So, and taking care of yourself too. You've got soaps and lotions like deodorant. Um, uh, there's one that my wife picked up uh, last week and she's like, you've got to smell this. And it's a <laughs> tobacco patchouli is the scent mm, on it. Interesting. Beautifully lightly scented. Okay. So, and when you talk about unique things, Chris, this is the thing I told you I was going to bring. Okay. All right. So, you know, what, you didn't even hold that. What the world is this? You want to just try and describe it? You are the professional this for that. This is, um, you know what? The first thing you pulled this out that I, <laughs> that I thought of, uh, or one of those creatures in Star Wars with like oh, the, yeah. the big like nose thing. This is. Yeah. Uh, it would be the nose thing. Yeah. So that is a tromboncino squash. So when I talk about unique things that you just aren't going to find elsewhere, it's a type of squash that is in the butternut family, as you might believe. Because again, as you describe, it's kind of like butternut elongated, right? Okay. But it is one that you actually harvest when it's still green and eat it that way. Right. And I have not had it. My wife got it last week. She's been saving it for me when I got back. Uh, you know, I just got okay. back last night from a trip here. All right. And, but it's, the description says it is sweeter than what you would find like with a zucchini and things like that. Okay. So, All right. So again, we deliver. When we talk about unique you things, you just are not going to find elsewhere. So the uh, farmer's market continues. It's uh, every Thursday, right? Correct. Through the end of October. Through the end of October. Uh, Thursdays from... Four to six. Four to six. And, and you're back at the uh, Marathon Center. Yes, indeed. Yeah, we're at our usual location. We had that one time we were not there, but we're back at MCPA's parking lot. You can't miss us. And you can check us out on social media, you know, at Hancock County Farmers Market. And our website is a great resource that I always forget to mention, HancockFarmersMarket.com. Okay, and we do have that linked up at our webpage as well, goodmornings.net, so you can check it out there. Again, Scott Greener, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. You bet. And with that, we conclude today's podcast. want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage, that, of course, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the show, last week, One Energy deployed the nation's first all-digital substation here in Findlay. Does this mark an early first step toward a long-overdue modernization of America's outdated electrical grid? Or is it just a novelty? We'll take a closer look. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.